Good morning, Bucketheads. Morning, bird. That's weird. Have we had done a morning pod before? I don't, not on purpose, maybe with Benny Heist back in the day, but I don't think we've done one as a CBB DFS Saturday morning shoot around. How many cups of coffee have you had so far? Uh, I count in pots on the weekends oh, and I'm on the second pot. So, oh boy. Hey, but uh, this is weird because it's not a Saturday morning shoot around. We're actually going to be covering the four game night slate tonight, right? Yes. Yeah. Well, the prices didn't drop till after midnight for the early slate. So, we thought it was better to focus on the evening slate and obviously a lot of great games. Uh, it's going to be, man, it's been just this conference tournaments have been awesome. They really have. It just, it's nice to have uh, basketball on at 10 AM or 11 AM, depending on where you're at and just sitting back and watching meaningful basketball games. A lot of them have gone down to the wire. We've seen a number of game winners. We got people punching their tickets left and right. And all four of these games are championship games tonight. Yeah. They, they, there's going to be really good, really good. Um, Really good tournament overall. I mean, 5K to first um, for yep. a four-game slate is really nice. And, you know, we get one more sleep until Selection Sunday. Like, life is life is really good right now. Yeah, this this and then uh, we're a week away from our Milwaukee trip. That is our regional site that CBB DFS is heading to. I'm excited for that. Are you? Oh, my gosh. I can't wait. I've actually never been to Milwaukee, which is weird since we don't live that far away from there. Um, but, I, yeah, it's going to be fantastic. So the bracketology I saw this morning had some really slow and boring teams in Milwaukee. So hopefully uh, these tournament games today shake that up a little bit because I don't really want to watch Houston or, uh, or or Michigan if they get in. It just uh, hopefully we get some 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 heat there. Yeah, hopefully we get some heat. Hopefully we get Illinois since we're, we, we live close to University of Illinois. That'd be a nice draw for us. Uh, it'd be nice to see our boy James flying in from Raleigh. Yeah, and so you guys might remember James. him. We're going to our bucket heads will be hearing from him soon, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think he's going to join us on our March Madness pod. We'll probably do that. What Monday or Tuesday? Um, that's yeah. the one where we fill fill out a bracket uh, as a as a group and uh, talk through a lot of the games, you know, have the third person kind of break the tie on which way we're leaning. Um, we've been wildly successful in those. Um, so use them as a prep for your bracket. But we're also due for a stinker. So I'll throw that disclaimer out there now because our brackets have been really good the last couple of years. Yeah, they've been phenomenal the last couple of years. And so, yeah, we're, we're due for just a horrible one for but for our longtime bucket heads, James will be back on the pod next week because it's, it's not a dfs related pod it's truly just about the bracket yep. and and so james will be on and it'll be awesome yeah he misses you guys he tells us all the time for sure for sure so what do you think joe well, should we jump into the slate yeah four games and the first one is probably most important to you that's the the big 12 final uh in kansas city missouri at the t-mobile arena this is texas tech at kansas and ken palm has this as a two-point game first from a game perspective bird how do you feel about the jayhawks going into this well i think it's definitely the two teams that have been playing the best recently like i think it's it's the right championship matchup like it's the one i think people wanted to see um it is in Kansas City, so it, it will be a home game for Kansas. It I mean, it'll be 95% Jayhawk fans. So yep. I'm excited. I think it'll be a really good real-life game, and I think it's an okay DFS game. What, what do you think? 
Yeah, I, I think I think you're right. Kansas really hasn't been pushed too much in the Big 12 tournament. So, you know, this one, they're definitely going to get pushed. I was surprised looking at the history between these two games. They split the season series with uh, Texas Tech winning the first one and Kansas winning the second one in two OTs. But both those games kind of got up and down a little more than you would sec- expect from these defensive-minded teams. But I also feel that, like you said, Kansas City, we've been to Kemper you know, what used to be Kemper arena. That is an additional home home game for uh, (laughs) Kansas. And it's weird on a neutral site when you see uh, 90% of the audience waving the weed at the end of the game. So hopefully that happens for Kansas fans this time. But uh, I I think it's going to be tighter than expected. Texas tech, they can, they can give, they can give Kansas fits. Yeah, they sure can. You know, Texas tech's number one defense on Ken Palm right now. And, and so you're right. they, They have scored a little bit more points than you'd expect maybe. Um, but I, I think this will be this will be a grinded out like it, it'll be it'll be a tough game. So, you know, Texas Tech. So Kevin McCullough is back for Texas Tech, which is huge for them. Um, he yep. played 31 minutes last game, which is really good to see. The, the problem that creates is you've got four guys between McCullough and Warren and Adonis Arms and Terrence Shannon. You got four guys there that are kind of competing for three spots of playing time. And, and so that's a little concerning to me. I would probably lean McCullough because he is the cheapest of the bunch. Um, but it's a little bit of a timeshare there. So I, I think that one's tough. Did anybody stand out to you in that group of four? I know we keep plugging Terrence Shannon, and he just <laughs> never gets there. Well, the talent's always been there with Shannon. But, yeah, we've been uh, we've been promoting the uh, positive regression coming for him for weeks, and it, it just it just hasn't, hasn't hit. McCuller has been awesome from a DFS standpoint this week, getting him – and a talent like that for sub 5K is, is is pretty impressive just because, you know, he's a big guy who can do things in a number of ways. Uh, 30 minutes, awfully encouraging last game. So I would lean uh, McCullough of that group as well. I haven't had much success this year with Warren. Uh, Arms has given me some, some good games, but 5,600. I just feel like the... If you're going to play one of these guys, you have to pick the right one. And I'm going to normally choose the cheaper option when I when I'm looking at a group like this. Yep, that's exactly how I looked at it, too. I, I think if you're if you're not looking at those guards or those um, you know, maybe kind of undersized wing type of players, um, really, it's Bryson Williams. Like, so he's fifty seven hundred. So his price has dropped quite a bit. And, and here's his game logs against Kansas in the two games this year against with, with Texas Tech, and then looking back last year when he played for UTEP, 33 points and five rebounds, 22 points and eight rebounds, 23 points and 13 rebounds. So he has crushed Kansas in, in his career. Um, cheap price point. I think he's yeah, truly just a GPP. Yeah, I think he's just a GPP option because he his form isn't overly great, but he there's just something about Kansas. And if McCormick still doesn't play a lot of minutes – and it's Mitch Lightfoot trying to guard him. Love Mitch Lightfoot, but he can't guard anybody. So, like, I think I think Bryson Williams is a really intriguing um, kind of GPP target just based on that past performance that he's had against the Jayhawks. No, and he he kind of fits that uh, shooting big as well. 41, 42% three-point shooter. And I know those stretch four, stretch fives have always given Kansas kind of a problem as well. Yeah, yeah, they really have, and he he should feel confident. I'm assuming Self is going to double anytime he goes down low, so I think you're right. He'll probably try to take them out on the perimeter a little bit and, and do some damage that way. I like it. 
that makes a lot of sense. So outside of the the Texas Tech team, I know that they play a lot of guys. Um, typically, uh, some of that's you know been due to the injuries and stuff recently. But anybody else, any any interest in Obanor or you know someone who can sneak up on you sometimes, a Santos Silva, but his minutes aren't consistent enough to play. Anybody else on that Texas Tech side that you might consider or want to throw a nugget out about? I, I don't think so. I, I think you're right. You know, Obenor has been pretty good on, on occasion. Like he'll have a, a random right. spike game. I, I'm not sure if it's going to be today or not. Naldani comes in and plays a couple minutes, which it just adds to that kind of weird guard rotation they have. And like you said, Santos Silva is a guy who's got, you know, he's got experience. He's got pedigree. He's cheap. Um, you could take a flyer on him, especially if you think McCormick's not going to play a lot because he's kind of that stronger bodied guy down low. Yeah. Um, so at 3,900, I, you could maybe take a shot at him. Um, it's yeah, gamble, it's, though. it's questionable. It's, it's, it's a gamble. Yeah. I think that's fair. And, and we got, there's other options, even someone, even one on the Kansas side that stands out that's sub 4k, if you want to take a, a little safer shot. Um, so with that, I don't want to, I don't want to tease the tease it too much, but, uh, on the Kansas starting front the, of the starters, uh, they seem to be priced pretty fairly. You know, it's nice to see Akbaji and, and, and Brown are Brown, uh, under 8k. Yeah, they were kind of unplayable for a lot of the year, sitting at you know eighty four hundred, eighty six hundred. Um, so yeah, Agbaji's down to seventy seven hundred. Christian Brown is at seven thousand, and so I think they're both very viable. So Agbaji has twenty real points and and thirty seven real points in, in the games against Texas Tech earlier this season. So obviously, and and he's averaging you know what twenty points a game just on the on the season, but he has not done anything other than score the basketball lately, and so that concerns me a little bit. At 7,700, what are your thoughts? I know he's been a, a decent rebounder in the past, but seems mm-hmm. very scoring dependent lately. Very scoring dependent and really a, a really good perimeter defender. He used to be a guy in the last couple of years who would be good for a steal or two a game. And even that has been sporadic, you know. Uh, but yeah, I, I haven't played a lot of Agbaji, mostly because he was in that mid-8s range. And, and sometimes it could be a Brown game. Uh, I, I, of the two, I'd probably lean Brown just because I like saving 700 bucks. Um, and I think their production can kind of mirror each other and Brown's a, a better rebounder in my, my opinion. This yeah. And we, we tend to look at those guys who can kind of fill up the stat sheet and that's definitely seems to be Brown more than, than Agbaji. Mm-hmm. Um, I think looking at the other starters, like you mentioned, Jalen Wilson's down to 6,600. Um, he, he's struggled a little bit lately, but he's a great rebounder for his size can score the basketball, can stretch them out defensively. I, I don't mind his price in GPPs at 6,600. And, and then we talked about McCormick. He's not playing. Like, he's less than 15 minutes. I know he's got a foot that's banged up. Self has a short leash on him anyway. Um, so I don't think you can play McCormick. Um, so that means it's a Mar- super low-owned GPP option, right? Yeah, but that means it's March Lightfoot season. March Lightfoot. Yes. <laughs> that was a good tweet by Jesse. Jesse knew who we had on the show. Great yeah. guy. Um, but yeah, Mitch is still only 4K. He's playing over 20 minutes a game. He's smashed. Once he, When he sees time, he smashes. So here's a good stat for you, Joe. Yeah, this is awesome. I, 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 I read this in the pre-pod notes. Uh, the Bucketheads are going to love the stat. Yeah, so the most efficient post-up players in the nation this year. So number one, Keegan Murray. No surprise He's there. Good. Thank you, number guy. two. Mitch Lightfoot. Most efficient post-up players. So we're talking when they get the ball back to the basket. 
Yeah, he does that little jump hook over his right shoulder, over his left shoulder, and it's just money. I mean, it, it's just unguardable. Which, if you're in college for 18 years, that's what you get. I just think if Snogo could hit some of those, UConn might be in a little better spot today. Man, oh man, he missed a lot of layups last night. He did, but we're not talking about last night. Uh, you got another cheap play. Mitch Lightfoot, 4,000 makes a lot of sense, uh, especially if he's going to get that 20 minutes and McCormick's going to continue to be slowed by that foot injury. And honestly, Kansas, they are kind of playing for that one seed, but they're yeah. they're going to get a heavy, heavy seed in this tournament. I don't see a reason to really rush Dave, you know, if he's not 100%. Give him the give him the four, day, four or five days off and, and let him get up to 100% by the tournament. So I do like Lightfoot a lot in that regard. But you also have one more play here, little 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 heat checker off the bench right now. Well, yeah, uh, preseason Big 12 player of the year, Remy Martin, is, is now $3,400. You know, he was hurt for an extended amount of time, but self said he is 100% healthy. And, and you can tell, you can see it. He played 18 minutes last game. Just a complete microwave off the bench. Got up, got up ten shots in, in those eighteen minutes. Had three boards, had three assists, and, and just a completely different dynamic when he came in. That the they were flying up and down the court. He was super aggressive, and and it was it was fun to watch. Like it was the Remy we thought we were getting, you know, when he when he transferred over from from Arizona State. Um, a really kind of different dynamic that brings this team. Like it it was fun. Yeah, no, I, I, I really like Remy. Um, I, I like to see him. And he's, he's a veteran. You know, he's someone who can score. And in this role, if he keeps coming off the bench and Harris stays at the one from a starting perspective, you know, he's he's going to come in and do damage. And a fresh Remy Martin against maybe a gassed uh, couple of guards, you know, that, that that's an advantage Kansas. Yep, and at 3,400, you don't have to do a whole lot to, to get there. So yeah. I, I think he's taking shots. Yeah, especially if he's going to get up 10 shots. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he still doesn't play defense as well as self would like, which is always a little scary in, in a game like this where they're, you know, it's probably going to be defense defense rules. But 3400 is a reasonable price. I, I probably like Mitch Lightfoot for 600 more, but I think Remy is a, is a reasonable GPP target, too. So we hit on this game pretty well, Joe. Yeah. Um, you want to move over to the Big East and hit on that Creighton-Villanova game? Yeah, let's go to the Garden. Yeah, this should be a good game. I we're, we're, we we've kind of fallen in love a little bit with the UConn team this year. Um, I'm sure we'll have yeah. them going too far in our March Madness pool. Um, <laughs> but but the Creighton Villanova game, this should be a really solid game. It's amazing that Creighton's done so well without Nemhard. Not not just without Nemhard. Think about Creighton last year. They replaced all five starters from last year's team. Um, so Doug McDermott has to be in the conversation for coach of the year with what he's done with this Creighton team, especially if they cap this off with the Big East tournament. He's just been incredible. This Creighton team beat Villanova already once this year by 20. Now, granted, in the rematch, Villanova waxed them by 34. So there, we did, we can't take a lot from the previous two meetings because they were both one-sided on each other's uh, home floor. But the good thing about this game from a DFS standpoint is – Neither of these teams have a deep bench. You mentioned Nemhart. Since he's gone down for Creighton, they've played really five guys the whole game. Uh, Tay Jackson is, or excuse me, <clears throat> Trey Alexander has stepped into that point guard role, and he he's been okay. Uh, but there's just there's five guys on one side and five guys on another. And from a pricing standpoint, the pricing looked pretty good to me at first glance. Bird did. Before I get into the specifics from each team. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the game as a whole or uh, how you approach games like this where there isn't a lot of bench depth? Yeah, I mean, that's one thing we love is, is when there's opportunities to get a guy who's going to play 30, 35 minutes 
a game, you know, minutes equal money. We've we've said that a lot, and and, and I think that's true. Um, so, so looking at the game setup in general, so Ken Palm has this, or is, are these real lines? Are these real lines or Ken Palm lines? No, it's Ken Palm. Yep. So, so according to Ken Palm, um, 6962 Villanova. So it is a lower over under, you know, 131. It, it is a little bit lower. That that would probably be the only thing that scares me. But because these players play all the minutes, it, it's probably not as big of a deal. Correct. Correct. And I want to start on the Creighton side of this, if that's okay. And what's what's and really the I'm going to mention a Villanova player to start my Creighton discussion, and that's Eric Dixon. Eric Dixon's held down the five for uh, Nova all year long. He's about 6'8", 255. He's one of those big muscle guys down low. Um, he's been really limited with an injury in the biggie in this tournament. So he's played, uh, I want to say it was 11, 15, and 14 minutes in the three games. He starts, but then immediately comes off the floor. When he's off the floor, Villanova is really short in stature as a team because you're looking at Slater and you're looking at Samuels, who both go about six seven. Now, Jay Wright's a great coach, so he's going to play well defensively and have a plan to attack the bigs. But with that said, you look at a Ryan Kalkbrenner for Creighton, who's 7,600. He's had 35 in four straight games, and he's a legit seven-footer. I, I think he's poised, you know, with that height advantage to have a really – kind of good day down low. Uh, so that was the first thing I noticed on the Creighton side of things. Yeah, that makes sense. I was watching the Nova game yesterday and they brought in that Jordan uh, Long- Longino, Longino. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? I've never even seen this guy before, but, but you're right because Dixon is, is kind of banged up. Like it's, it's desperate times down low for Villanova. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, and don't get me wrong. Slater and Samuels are, are, older players who get the game and they got some muscle. So they're not just going to get completely bullied. But if you have a six inch advantage on someone in the paint, that's going to make for some easy looks. And Kalkbrenner is a player that converts around the basket very, very well. He's got a nice soft touch. Uh, He's just someone who shoots 66% from two. Uh, It's just, I, I think he's in line for a great one. Now, another forward on this roster, Ryan Hawkins is, has been really the guy who's picked up the usage with Nemhart out. So Nemhart was a starting point guard. Uh, he's done for the year. And uh, while we mentioned Alexander coming in and taking the point guard role, Hawkins is kind of a, a mobile four uh, who's really taken on a bunch of the usage. He's averaging 37.1 DraftKings points in his last 10. He plays all the minutes. I think he was Division Two player of the year or something like that before transferring to, uh, to uh, Creighton. But uh, he had 19 and 11 in, in uh, one of the matchups versus Nova. And then uh, his other one was a little bit of a stinker. But Ryan Hawkins at 7,400 is going to have uh, a lot of opportunity to potentially flirt with a double-double. Um, so that's another forward you can look at on this side. The guards, I, I mentioned Trey Alexander running the point and Alex O'Connell's the two. They're 6,300 and 6,100 respectively. I don't love either. Villanova plays a really tight perimeter defense. O'Connell can get hot and really erupt, so I would prefer him over the two. Um, but outside of that, um, I'm off the guards for from the Creighton side of this. And then the last Blue Jay name I want to throw out there, and then I'll I'll give you I'll let you start us off on the on the Nova side bird is uh, Arthur Kaluma. So the freshman uh, went for five and a half x last game. He can be a volume shooter at time. He's super talented. Um, 
he's a freshman, so there's some swings in his game. He's more of a GPP option, but at 5,100, this is a guy who could 6X because he's active, and if shots are dropping, uh, and since he is a willing shooter, he's someone who could have big games. I know earlier in the year he was having big games pretty consistently until they kind of got checked down and and uh, Hawkins emerged. So those are that's my Creighton side of things. So, Bird, anything I missed on Creighton that you might be looking at? If not, switch us into Villanova. No, I thought that was great. I think that was really good. Looking at Nova, and if you're going to have me start it off, you know where I'm going to go first. Your boy. My boy, Jermaine Samuels is back, yeah. baby. Uh, really yeah, and his back is healthy. So, yeah, and yeah, he's healthy. That's the biggest thing. And I think it'll be probably, you know, I, he, he'll play some undersized five, especially with Dixon a little bit banged up. And so I think we'll see a similar thing to what we saw against UConn yesterday with bringing, you know, they brought Sonogo out, you know, tr- Sonogo trying to guard Samuels, and, and that leaves Samuels wide open a lot for threes. If they're going to play an undersized five, or it, Kalkbrenner having to come out on the perimeter, like that's not going to be easy for, for him, right? No, 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 it's not. I mean, he's long, and he moves pretty well for a seven-footer, but that's, that, that, that is the, the flip side of that. But the, the, the funny thing about this is, is as small as Jay Wright's team is from a size stat size perspective they still play extremely slow you know most people would say hey we got to go small let's let's go they still clug it up and play at a very slow tempo so uh you know most of it's the gillespie dribble show um but yeah kalkbrenner he won't necessarily be chasing him around but he'll be floating around outside which again does take away from his defensive block upside yeah, a little bit. So I think I think Samuels is an interesting kind of GPP target only. You know, obviously he erupted yesterday, but it, it has been a down year for him in, in mm-hmm. general. Hopefully he's just kind of hitting his stride and like you said, finally healthy. Um, yep. But I think at 5,900, probably the cheapest price point he's been at in a while. Um, I, yeah. I don't feel too bad about that. And what about the guards, Joe? So, you know, anytime Gillespie and, and Justin Moore are under 7K, um, that's always going to be pretty attractive too, right? Yeah, it's crazy. These guys, and and rightfully so, they're at that are under 7K. Last game against UConn, they combined for just 11 points, and Nova still won. That's kind of a testament to how well Samuels played with his double double. But uh, both of these guys are are pretty pretty good scorers. Uh, they're typically around 25, 30 DK a game, and if we're getting them at 6,800 and 6,500, uh, Gillespie 6,800, more 6,500, this is uh, should be uh, an excellent value spot for either one of them uh, or both. Uh, again, we don't love the over-under here. There's better games in that regard on the slate, but the prices are enticing, and I'm not going to be upset with anybody who's looking at Gillespie or more. Uh, the last two starters, again, this is not a game with a lot of depth. You're looking at Caleb Daniels and then Brandon Slater, uh, Slater more, more so in the post and Daniels in the, on the perimeter. They're 5,500 and 5,100. Both are steady cash options. Neither has really stepped up and broken a slate at any given time this year but they're both extremely important role players to what Villanova is going to do. So both of them veteran veterans are going to get their 20 to 24 DK to, to, to make their value, to hit value. Um, but I, no one's, none of these two are going for 40, right? It's just not, not the way Nova's constructed. Yep. They'll play a lot of minutes, but, but definitely not the usage guys. I, I wonder if Moore has a little bit of a bounce back today, uh, we, guy who we've seen can be a really, really pretty good rebounder as a guard too. 
Um, I, I, at 6,500, I just wonder if there's a little bit of a bounce back that could come from him. Yeah, no, I, I, I would, I, I, I love Justin Moore. I typically play him more than Gillespie because he's uh, a little, little more fluent on uh, offense. Uh, now he went over five from three yesterday, never really got into the rhythm and credit to UConn who does play pretty stout defense. Um, but he is a guard that can go up and has, uh, games of 10, 8, 9 rebounds. So uh, if he's crashing and hitting shots early, it, that's that's probably my favorite of the Villanova options outside of Samuels, who, again, just had a 21-12 and 12 double-double. You might want to look at him running that back. Yep, I think that makes sense. And so, the only again, the risk here is it is the lowest over-under on the slate. Um, hopefully, the fact that a lot of these guys play 35 minutes makes up for that. Um and I think there's going to be, I think everybody's going to stack the last game. So we can get that out there now. So I think finding these other games that you can invest in can help differentiate your lineup a little bit because there is so many options in that UCLA Arizona game. Sure. You want to go to that one or you want to go to Virginia Tech Duke next? Well, let's go to Duke because I really don't want to talk about Duke that long. <laughs> you know, Duke uh, has not had a cakewalk through the ACC tournament. They've had they've had uh, they've had to earn their wins at least. If if this Duke team makes a Final Four run with with, with this Coach K, so I'm gonna, I'm just gonna puke. <laughs> oh. I, I, like I don't mind the players. I actually I think that the players that they have are good. Like I, I like I think Winamore is a good player. I think Paolo is a, a good player. Mark Williams is is these guys are good players. I I, I don't. It, it's just the, this Coach K thing is just so annoying. Yeah. No. I I I, I agree with you. Um. I wonder. I wonder if there'll be some bracket conspiracists, you know, who say, oh, they're sticking it to Coach K or, oh, they gave Coach K the easy run, you know, yeah. when when the seeding comes out. Well, it'll be a storyline for sure, no matter what, which is the sad part. Exactly. And then, of course, everyone's favorite team is playing in the hardest bracket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No one ever says, oh, my team got the easy bracket. <laughs> that, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. My wife All hates right. this time of year because I always complain about Kansas's draw. But anyways, back to the game. <laughs> yeah. ACC championship, Barclays Center. Brooklyn, New York. Uh, what Duke won this first? The first matchup, seventy-six to sixty-five. Yep. Um, it, so I got a fun stat here that I saw this morning. Uh, this is Virginia Tech's first ever appearance in the ACC championship game for the ACC tournament championship game. This is Duke's thirty-second appearance, and they have twenty-one wins. So, <laughs> from an experience standpoint, uh, you know, uh, advantage Duke. But you know, this Virginia Tech team—they're—they're they're playing well. I mean, they—they. They, beat the doors off of North Carolina. They uh, outscored a, a, a good Notre Dame team the win before that. And uh, cl- that Clemson game where we hit our PJ Hall prize pick um, when we need went into overtime. So uh, I, you look back at Virginia Tech, I think they won eight of 10 prior to the big, the ACC tournament. They're, they're playing well right now. And one of the reasons why is uh, Kevin Luma's kind of, converting back to that 2021, 2020, 2021 form where he was the man for that team. Yeah, he, he is a fun player and, and his price really is, is very affordable. Um, had 45 DK against Duke back in at, at Cameron earlier this year. And, and so, yeah, he is, he's really attractive. Um, Justin Mutz is another player who, who's really good. He had 40 DK uh, earlier this season at, at the game against Duke and Cameron as well. A really good rebounder. Um, having him priced more than Aluma is, is a little weird to me. Yeah. I'd probably always lean Keve, but 
uh, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, no, uh, Mutz, I, don't be dissuaded by his 19 minutes against North Carolina. He had a little bit of foul trouble in that one, and he still got 25. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm more of a, uh, a Kive guy. Uh, to me, uh, he's just the better all-around player, uh, but Mutz definitely has the ability to get hot. Another guy who has been hot lately is Darius Maddox. Um, he came off the bench, played 29 minutes against North Carolina, hit a lot of big shots, had 20 real points in that game. Um, it's not his norm, but at 4,100, it could be, you know, kind of a GPP dart. And uh, <laughs> Storm Murphy's been great this tournament. Uh, he's up to $4,000. He's gone 20 DK in all three games. Uh, he's a veteran extension of the coach on the floor and has a really nice shot and isn't afraid to take the big shot. But we do have to note that Duke is very, very good at guarding the perimeter. And that's kind of his his game. Uh, was he 4,400 or 4,000 bird? I think he's up to 4,400. So yeah, he was just 3,400, uh, you know, a couple days ago and now he's up to 4,400. So I worry a little bit about that price yeah. kind of creeping up a little bit. And like you said, uh, Duke generally does guard the perimeter pretty well, um, which does hurt him a little bit. No. And, and honestly for 300 less Maddox has been, uh, very, very good. And you know, that's another, you're, you're taking a GPP flyer on either. Yeah. Yep. But this Virginia Tech team as a whole is playing well. Uh, uh, Mike Young teams share the basketball. Um, the 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 big guys Aluma and Mutz are going to get theirs. It, it's kind of hard to pick out which uh, role player is, is going to go off. So uh, that's really would be my focus. And then Bird, since you seem to be the big Duke fan right now, um, <laughs> why don't you kick us off with uh, the Dukies? Well, I think the DraftKings is the big Duke fans right now because they have the three highest uh, priced players on the entire slate or are all on Duke. <laughs> so Boncaro is 8,800. Mark Williams is 8,200. And Wendell Moore is 7,800. Um, so I, I don't know if I've ever seen the top three players on a pricing wise on a slate are from the same team. That's kind of weird. Well, smaller slate, but yeah, that that is not that is not normal. Normally, there's someone, and honestly, you could probably argue some people should be higher priced than them on this slate. Um, but I think 7,800 for Wendell Moore is fair for someone who does a lot of different things. Yeah, we again we talked about this with with Christian Brown, but same thing with Wendell Moore, guy, guy who can do a little bit of everything, is something that we really like. Um, I will say, Paulo Banquero is you know he's playing very well right now as well, five X in each of the ACC games so far this year. Um, I, you know, I feel like he's really safe. He's kind of evolved into that alpha on this team, even though they've got a lot of other, you know, good options. Keels is a good player. AJ Griffin's a good player, but Boncaro's really starting to kind of step it up. Like, I think he knows like it, it's his time, right? Like it's, it's March. It's time for right. him to go. And, and he has Get been a lottery pickup. Yeah. Yep. Improve that draft status. And Mark Williams, since we're not playing Syracuse, uh, I don't want to pay over 8,000 for him. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> I think that's fair. And he did. He only played um, 12 minutes the first time against them. And so that's he, he does struggle a little bit against kind of the smaller, quicker front court that the Hokies have. So, yeah, I think he might be a little overpriced. Um, what about Keels and Griffin, Joe? I mean, I, both good players. Flip a coin. Yeah, yeah, flip a coin. Um, you know, uh, Griffin is obviously probably going to be a little higher owned than Keels. Uh, so. But I'm I, I, I I'll probably stay away because at this price point, there's options I like better in other games. 
uh, and I, I don't want to choose poorly, but uh, they're both great players, both talented freshmen, uh, but I have a hard time picking one over the other with any form of confidence. Yep, I, I think that's fair. Um, I think you're right. I think Griffin will probably be higher owned because he is 300 less. Um, Keel's plays well, and all minutes. And, and, and to be honest, Griffin's done it more for the DraftKings players this year. You know yep. what I mean? Yep. He, he's he's been the guy that you remember and get the warm fuzzies about because you smashed him in your lineup when he was 4,500 and he smashed, you know? Yeah. Yep. I agree. I agree. And But I, I like, like you said, I think they're both certainly viable. Um, Duke has got an implied total in the mid seventies uh, per Ken Palm. So I think there's going to be enough scoring here. That's got the second highest over under on the slate, I believe. Um, so, so I think there's, those are some solid kind of mid range options there. I'll be pulling for Virginia tech. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mike Young is a hell of a coach. I, I'd like to see him do well. He, he seems like he's a good guy. Yeah, no, uh, he's, he's, he brought his system. He implemented it. I thought that program was destined to tank after buzz left, but he, and I, I kind of scoffed at the hire, but, uh, that that's Mike Young's done a fantastic job. Should we go Speaking to the of, kind of the main event here in Las Vegas next? Well, yeah, that's where all main events should be. And this is at another T-Mobile arena, this one in Las Vegas. This is UCLA, Arizona. We're talking about an over-under that Ken Palm puts around 149. And uh, Ken Palm also has Arizona a one-point favorite here. Now, these two split the season series, Bird, uh, with UCLA winning the first one uh, pretty comfortably by 16, and then Arizona winning the second by 10. Um, these two teams met relatively close to one another uh, back in late January, early February. Uh, from a, just a game perspective, first, Bird, it's been a month since these two teams have played. Has one team or the other evolved or taken another step to another level, or are they still kind of tread and water like the same teams they were. I think probably the biggest difference for UCLA right now is just that, that Hawkes is finally healthy. Um, and he, he's really playing kind of at another level right now. Um, 7,200. Yeah. And, and so I, I think that's probably a really big reason why UCLA is playing better. If, if Johnny Juzang ever learns how to score again, like they could be like, a, they, they could be a tough out in the tournament. Which I wouldn't have said a month ago. That's so. that's well. I mean, they went to the championship game last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I I think this. So from a DFS perspective, I think this game is going to be super super popular. I did, you know just for fun, I kind of goofed around and I put eight players in a lineup from this game and still had five hundred dollars left over. And like it was a good, like it was a reasonable lineup. Like it, it was a lineup that could certainly cash. And so. There's a million options in, in this game. I think it's going to be, if I were to guess, and I'm horrible at these guesses, but I bet 75% of the lineups today have at least four players from this game. Yeah, you get the late sweat too. Uh, the only problem, the I would say maybe like 60%. And the only reason I don't go 75% is just because a lot of people don't watch Pac-12 basketball. So there isn't a lot of eyes on these teams um, where – you know, us, you know, who, who want to relay positive DFS info to the masses, to the bucket heads, yeah. we keep an eye on these teams. And when we see Tiger Campbell, 5,500, that's, that's, a, that's a deal. Most people yeah. who don't play these West coast teams aren't cognizant of that. Yeah, I, I, that, that's true. I think that's probably a good point. And I'm, I'm terrible at guessing like ownership stuff too. So I, I probably shouldn't <laughs> do it, but no, uh, I'm you not. know, similar, 
Similar to the they Kansas Texas Tech. They should have. Like, That's how you need to phrase that is they 75% of the lineups should have four people from this game. <laughs> yeah, there, there's so many good options. It, like the Big 12 game, you know, Kansas, Texas, probably are the two best teams in the Big 12. Uh, Baylor, obviously, is really good, too. But um, like this was the matchup I think people wanted to see. For the people who do watch Pac-12 basketball, this is the matchup we wanted. So looking at UCLA's side, so Juan Jaime Highcast Jr., Still only 7,200. He's gone 44 DK, 41 DK, 48 DK, 32 DK over his last four. He looks completely healthy. I think he's a cash game lock and, and clearly has GPP upside at 7,200. So I think he should be wildly popular on this slate in that pace-up matchup against Arizona. Um, and, and then you've got, like you mentioned, some some really kind of steady options, right? So Jules Bernard at 6,000 has 28 DK and three straight. Um, you mentioned Tiger Campbell at 5,500, uh, you know, so Kirk Creasa is going to be out for Arizona. So their starting point guard is not playing. So a veteran point guard like Tiger Campbell at 5,500, uh, is a guy who might be able to take advantage of that. Um, and, yeah. and then we mentioned Johnny Juzang at 5,800. He's been horrible lately, but he took 15 shots and 18 shots in the two games against Arizona this year. And so if he could find his form, I mean, that type of usage at 5,800, nobody's going to press the button because he's been complete crap lately. Like, I think no, he's a super interesting GPP option. I, I think so, too, because we we know he can get 30 real points on a given night if things yeah. are going down. And he's got the pedigree. He's done it before. Uh, the one I do like here, and this kind of brings it full circle back to some of the Duke conversation, is Jules Bernard, 6,000, 28 DK and three straight. We were just debating, do you... Do you look at uh, Griffin or Keels from Duke, 6,200, 5,900? The answer to me is neither. And you come down here to Jules Bernard, who's just been more consistent and is getting paced up in this game. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, especially like if you're doing cash lineups, I think you would look at Bernard. And then if GPPs, that's probably where those Duke options maybe come in. But but Bernard mm-hmm. does have GPP you know, ceiling, too. If he can go get 5X, that's never going to hurt you. No, not at all. Um, yeah, so, so what about the what about the Arizona side? I know I did read our content yesterday, <laughs> as I tend to do, um, and I did put Kyer in my lineup, and I was very pleased when he went six x. So with uh, with point guard up in the air, uh, is it a Kyer rerun or is it a Pelly Larson day? I, I think it's it, I think I think Justin Kier is probably the the safe play, right? Like he's probably more of the cash play. He was forty percent owned yesterday. Um, his price went up about 400. Um, so he's probably going to be 50 to 60% owned today, but I think that's fair. Like at 4,300, he's going to play 25 minutes. He's going to have the ball in his hands the majority of the time. So I think he's like the cash option. And and then Pell Larson is going to be that guy who's more of a GPP target. Um, he's, he's, I think 3,900. And so he, he, he's certainly will have, you know, a fraction of the ownership of, of, of Justin Keir. So I think those are options, but really Arizona's got a ton of good options here. Uh, um, Azulis Tabellas at 6,700. That, that's just a cash game lock, right? Like just, just right. press the button and move on for, for him. I, in my opinion. No, 27% usage, 27% shot share. He's been there all year. I, I was surprised when I saw that price point. Yeah, and so with Coloco playing the five, you got Tabellas at the four. So Jaime Jaquez Jr. is probably guarding him down low, and he can't guard him down low. So, you know, if you're Tommy Lloyd, you're going to try to, you know, reverse the ball and get Tabellas on the, some of those high lows or, you know, those dump downs to where he should be able to make 
Like he should be, it should be a real problem for UCLA to try to guard him. Um, Coloco is, you know, he, he's always in play. Like, I know you like Coloco, Joe, he's a guy who can go get you 40 or he can go get you 15. Like, and it's, yep. you never know when, which one's coming. Yep. Top 25 block rate, excellent defensive rebounder, active on the offensive glass, you know, but he's, he's got to be engaged and he's got to be going, you know, it's, it's boomer bust for sure. Yep. And then the last, you know, option that I, that I would look at is Dalen Terry at 5,400. Terry is kind of one of those coaches dreams where he just makes every right decision when he's out on the court. When you don't have your point guard, I think he gets a little bit of extra usage or a little bit of extra, you know, kind of time to facilitate that offense. He can do a little bit of everything, can really fill up the stat sheet. At 5,400, I think he's a pretty solid option. He did have 32 DK against UCLA the last time they met. Um, so, I, so I think he's a solid price, um, another pretty safe target that you could look at. It feels like uh, Benedict Mathurin is a little cheaper than normal, too. Oh, my gosh. I forgot to talk about old Ben. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, 7100 for a lottery pick. That's good. In the highest over-under on the slate. That's good. And he's priced down, what, over $1,000 from where he's normally priced at. Those are Those yeah. are all good things. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, no, I, again, there's so many options in this game. Yeah, I mean, you, you legitimately, I mean, I think there'll be I think there'll be lineups that have six or more people in, in this game. You could play eight. You literally could play well, eight with the price. Well, DK makes you play one. Per, you can't stack one game all eight. I've tried before. Well, <laughs> you, well, it makes you play one person from another game, but you can get a seven and one probably. Yeah, you really could. And so, yeah, a ton of great options here. I guess if if you're in tournaments and you're looking to differentiate your lineups, uh, having having less exposure to this game, um, or or picking those guys that maybe won't be as as owned, like hope hope Johnny Juzang goes nuts, or um, you know Dale and Terry is is probably just a guy to, to some people, but he's he's one of the best role players in the nation, and so maybe what people won't realize that. So maybe trying to identify some of the 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 lesser the less popular plays from this game is a potential and maybe look to stack one of the other games if, if you're trying to change things up. Yeah. And uh, also note that this game is also available as a showdown on tonight's slate. So if you want to rewind the pod and uh, everybody's in play on that showdown, you should be able to max out a lineup. So you'll have to differentiate there as well. Uh, if you want to, if you want to strike gold in that showdown slate. Yeah, good call out. I, I didn't. I, they must have just added that. So they did. They that's did. exciting. I, I think Justin Kier is. You've got to put him in because he's going to be super cheap in that showdown slate. Uh, Larson would be another guy you could you spend down on to to save some salary. Good deal. Well, Bertie, we got a big day uh, of hoops getting ready to tip off here, and then we got uh, an evening slate that we're going to crush because I'm going to re-listen to our pod because it should be live on the air in probably a half an hour from now. What else do we need to do before we get out of here and start our day of hoops? Well, one thing I was thinking about is how good so, we are so at price we've, picks. We've yeah, so we <laughs> we've won three days, three and zero, three days in a row of price picks. And, and so if you did twenty dollars, um, that 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 you you win a hundred, so you get an eighty dollar profit if you picked one of those days where we went three and zero. Mm-hmm. On the night slate tonight, you have to finish in the top 10 out of what? 1500 players. Yeah. So almost 1600 players to win 75, 80 bucks. 
So like price picks is is a good option. Like you're not competing against other people. You're you're kind of just competing against a line. Um, it, it's a good way to you know to win some pretty decent money, um, just for you know for watching college basketball, right? So I think it's a it's a great for for our bucketheads who are truly just kind of DFS players only. Really would encourage you to play draft picks. It's fun. It's easy. Uh, the app's really smooth. They've got good customer service, and you can use promo code CBBDFS. You get a hundred percent deposit match. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it helps us out a little bit too. So I, I think that, that's my that's my Price Picks plug. I, I like it, and like I said, I've been playing Price Picks all year with our stuff, and we keep track of our records and with our written content weekly. Uh, you and I, and even our bonus selection that we come up with. All of those are 10 over 500. I mean, it's something like 59 and 38 or something, or 59 and 40. It's it's crazy. We we have the records on everybody that we've done throughout the year. Now, we don't hit three and O's every day, but when you string together a couple like we have, that's 240 bucks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's um, up real quick. It and like you said, what is that fourth place tonight in the big tournament? Yeah. You, I mean, know, you, I, had, to, you had to do really well in a big field against you know people that are multi-entering you know quite a bit so i not not to take away from dfs because we love it and that's that's always no, gonna our, be our primary focus our um but but price picks is fun too it really is so yeah promo code cbb dfs if you're new and try to sign up there um get that 100 percent deposit match and uh, we'll probably tweet out some night price picks on the twitter machine right now we have our day selections so it, depending on when you're listening to this you can see if one of those still apply um and could get those in but overall, we're looking to stay hot there. We're looking to heat up even more going into the big dance. Selection Sunday is, well, let me do quick math, 10 o'clock, 7, 31 hours away. God, I'm good at math. Um, <laughs> 30 hours away, daylight savings time. Oh, snap. Yeah, even better. Snap. Yeah, well, I, I don't want to lose the hour of sleep, but n- neither here nor there. Bird, uh, what do we need? To, what else? Uh, Twitter, at CBB underscore DFS. Website, uh, cbb-dfs.com. Price picks promo code we've given out. I think this has been a great pod. A little little long, little, little bonus content, a little longer than our normal jam through, but four games we can do that, and we're so looking forward to next week. Anything remaining, Bird? If not, take us home. No, this is, it's your time now, Buckethead. So, you know, put the pieces together and uh, build those winning lineups, build those winning prize picks entries, and, and win all the money, guys. It's, it's the best time of the year. And we'll be here uh, every step of the way. 